welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Friday the 25th of February 2011, entitled, A Love That Will Last. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, good evening. That was very weak. Good evening. Amen. Um, before we look at God's Word, we wanted to, to uh, sing a song for you tonight. Hope it can be a blessing to you. I'm so thankful that all of you are here and you got here safely. And um, so I hope and trust and pray that this weekend will be a, just a shot in the arm for you. It'll be a blessing. And uh, hopefully we can be an encouragement to all of you. We want to be approachable. Uh, we're not one of those hit and miss preachers that you hits you for about 45 minutes, and then you can't find him after the service. I want to be here uh, for you young people. So uh, before we look at God's Word, I hope this song will be a real encouragement to you. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I ascend in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Listen to the words. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever. Forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Well, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still, will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine? I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine? I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine What my eyes will see When your face is before me 
I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Well, I'd just like to say before that he comes that uh, we've grown to love this man dearly, his wife and his children, and, of course, Seth is with him. Hannah's not able to be with him this time. But I've told our church many times that we don't have him back time and again just because of his good looks. He's a good-looking fella, isn't he? <laughs> and not just because of his wisdom. And he, I'm being serious, he's a very wise man. And the Lord has taught him a lot in his years. And uh, some has come easy and some has come hard. Amen, brother. <laughs> but, uh, and he's a great preacher. Uh, I had one of the young men last night ask me after the service, says, y'all services like this on Sunday? I said, what do you mean? He said, man, he said, all that passion, you know. I said, I said, well, we're pretty passionate about what we believe around here, amen. You know? And uh, so, uh, and he does have a passion. And that's, that's a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, a passion for you, a passion for God's Word, a passion for preaching God's Word. And he's here because of his heart more than anything else. Uh, we share a lot of common beliefs. I can't even think of one good argument that we've ever had, you know. Keep looking. We might find something eventually, but uh, most good Baptists can. But uh, but we haven't yet. Uh, but that's not the reason. It is his passion, his love for the Lord, and for you. And you know, I'm not uh, I'm not one that is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, ashamed to let other men have my pulpit. Praise God. Um, but God has given us the responsibility of a shepherd that uh, we take very seriously, who we allow stand in this pulpit and preach. And there's nobody I trust more than, than this man. He's going to come and preach to you this evening. Let's just have a short word of prayer. I know we'll probably pray a few more times. But we can't pray too much. Let's just pray for God to really use his servant as he comes to preach to us. Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, this weekend has been uh, many, many months in the planning. And, uh, Lord, we've looked forward to it. And we thank you for each one of these that have been able to come along and to be a part of this evening and to be a part of the weekend. Lord, we realize that all of our planning is useless and worthless, Lord, unless you show up. Lord, we know that you're here in, in each and every one of your children. But Father, we pray that your presence would be known to each and every one. Father, for those that are here that are already your children, that know that they've been saved and born again and washed in the blood, Lord, we pray that this weekend would be a time of building them up, of, of encouraging them, of challenging them, of strengthening them all through the Word of God. Lord, we've enjoyed the singing, and we pray that it's been pleasing to your ears. Lord, we truly believe this is the most important part of the time that we meet together this evening, and that's the preaching of your word. Father, we love your servant, but we know you love him more. And Father, as we look across this congregation this evening, we thank you for each one. Father, we only see the outside. You see the inside. You know the need of every heart better than we know it ourselves. And Lord, we pray right now that Lord, that through thy servant that you would touch the hearts of each individual here this evening. Lord, the saved and the lost, those that are walking near, those that are walking afar off, we pray that through the anointing of thy Holy Spirit upon thy servant, Lord, that these needs would be met. And Lord, I also pray for, for us, Lord, that are listening to this sermon. I pray that our hearts would be receptive to it. And I pray, Lord, that we would be responsive in whatever way that we need to be. We give you all the praise and glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Again, uh, thank God for you uh, being here. Uh, I can't believe it's the ninth year of the Spirit of the Sword of the Spirit Conference. I, I really can't. Um, it seems like just yesterday that we sat uh, over here and about eight young people with one table uh, met. And... Who here is a charter member of the Sword of the Spirit Conference? Would you raise your hand? We've got one, two, three. We've got four, five, six. We only got about five or six here. There will be a couple more show up this weekend, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm so thankful for the young people here at Bethel Free Baptist Church who had a vision and a burden uh, for the conference. And so I am so excited uh, that you are here tonight. Uh, you glad to be here tonight? Say amen. Psalm 118 verse 23 says, uh, this is the Lord's doings. Marvelous it is in our eyes. And I believe that. It's, it's truly been a blessing to see what God has done. 
And uh, I'm encouraged and excited about what God's going to do this weekend. Amen. And so I want you to take your Bible and just open it wherever you want to because I'm going to hit every bit of it tonight. No. Matthew, Matthew chapter number 22, look at verse 37. Matthew chapter number 22, verse number 37. Paul told Timothy, his swan song to his uh, preacher boy was, he said in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, young people, he said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now listen to this, young people. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, woman, whatever, the man of God, the woman of God may be what? Perfect, complete, truly furnished unto all good works. Now let me tell you something, young people. God wants to equip you this week to go back into the battle. And if you don't believe it's a battle, you have sorely missed the mark. We are not in a comfort zone as a Christian. We're in a combat zone. I've been in this country long enough that I know what most of you go through. I've been spat upon. I've been swung out on the streets of uh, Birmingham. Yeah, we're going right out there again tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Come on. No, I'm just playing. But let me tell you something. God is going to equip you this week with some things. And I'm going to tell you something. You need to listen on purpose this weekend. Now, I know what's going to happen. At the outset of this, and a lot of these guys that's been here before know this, it's a long weekend. So you need to go ahead and just pace yourself. Because there's a lot of you in here, if you're going to stay to Sunday night, I can guarantee you by Saturday afternoon, you're going to be sitting where you're at and you're going to be doing this. So you need to go ahead and pace yourself because there's going to get, you're going to get tired. Hey, listen, I've been preaching since Saturday. And here it is Friday, and we go on the rest of the weekend. Now, let me tell you something. If I can stay charged up, you can too. All right? So let's, listen, let's expect God to do something. Let's just don't come here and have another little meeting and it just be business as usual. And we'll say, you know what, Lord, when, when all of this is over with, uh, I'll be glad because then I can go back to my little town, my little church, and I can just kind of be invisible again. And I don't have to uh, stand before anybody and give a testimony or anything like that. Let me tell you something. God wants to do something powerful in your life this weekend. You are here by God's providence, by godly design, by heavenly design, you are here, and I want you to listen, not just with your ears, but I want you to listen with your heart. I want you to look at what Jesus said. Let's begin in verse number 35. Verse number 35 says, Then one of them, one of them, which was a lawyer, it's always that one that wants to be a smart aleck, wants to ask the question they think they can get him in a position to where he can't answer it. And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him. By the way, young people, the word tempt there means to challenge. He wanted to challenge the God of the universe. And he tempted him and he said this. He said, Master, Rabbi, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, he didn't say which is the great. He, basically, if I can interpret this properly, he said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the greatest one? And Jesus brought up a verse of Scripture out of the Torah. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Oh, hear ye, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. Now, let me tell you what Jesus said. I want you to look at verse 37. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt. By the way, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And look at, look at what he says in verse number 38. And this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now we don't have a problem saying amen when we read verse 37. But we have a real hard time saying amen and glory when it comes to verse 39. Young people, I don't know about you, but the theme of our 
Conference is crazy love. Y'all mind if I take my jacket off? Because I'm going to probably tear it up before it's over with anyway. I've had, I've had a lot of people, and you know, crazy love can be interpreted a couple different ways. You could, crazy love could mean I'm just crazy in love with Jesus, which is a blessing. I hope some of you are. If you are, say amen. Now, I didn't look at anybody's face when you said that, so if you didn't, I don't know about it, all right? But if you're in crazy love with Jesus, that's great. But can I ask you something? When you go back to university, when you go back to your job, wherever you go in your ministry, when you go to another foreign country, when people look at you that may have known you in your past and they may even know you in your present, do those people look at you and your love is so intense and passionate for Jesus Christ that they say, man, that guy's got a few screws loose. Something's wrong with that guy. I think he's crazy. Now, I know a lot of y'all looking at me like, I know he is. <laughs> That's all right. You know, I used, to, I used to be intimidated, and I'll be honest with you. Um, when I started in my ministry, Pastor Russ, we used to go and do youth conferences, and I'd preach at Christian schools, and I'd have 600 to 800 Christian kids sitting in a... By the way, you can be in a church and not be in Christ. You can go to a Christian school. You can go to a Baptist university. I don't care where you're at. It doesn't make it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. If you ain't trusted Christ, your loss is a ball in high weeds. You've got to be... You listen, you've got to be born again. But I said... Some of y'all just got that ball in high weeds. Some of y'all just got that. Anyway... <laughs> You're probably laughing at my accents, what they're doing. They're over there laughing at my accent. It'll get worse. It will get worse. But anyway, uh, where was I? I was, uh, I was preaching in a Christian school, 800 kids. I guarantee you I got halfway through my message. Half of them just sitting around giggling. The other half looking at their fingernails. The other ones listening to their little, uh, you know, their little uh, uh, MP3 player. I'll be honest with you. It don't matter a hill of beans to me tonight whether you think that this message is not for you and you ain't buying what anybody's selling and you've come here and said, if I can hold my breath for three days and I can get back home, this will all be over with. Let me tell you something. It's not going to bother me that much because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do all the way to heaven. I'm going to shout glory. Because listen to me, it is greater, listen, it is greater to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords than to serve myself. And you can't, listen, you've come here this weekend for God to speak to your heart, young people. If you're a born-again believer, if you're a Christian, and by the way, I said this a couple years ago, and some of you guys will remember this. Christian, the word Christian is a great noun. It is a terrible adjective. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Do you know every time the word Christian in the Bible was used, it was a subject. It was about people. It wasn't about... Listen, Christian is a terrible adjective. You can put Christian on the front of anything you want. That don't make it Christian. That don't make it Christian. Well, I'm a Christian plumber. <laughs> what? Why, is it, why you got to put Christian on the front of it? Just be a plumber that loves Jesus. Well, I'm a Christian artist. Well, why don't you paint something for His glory instead of doing it all for yourself then? I'm a Christian singer. Well, why don't you go around and sing to the people at the elderly homes instead of charging $39.95 for a ticket to get in to watch you sing? Let me tell you something, young people. We have got a generation, and don't you fall into this trap. We've got a generation that want to steal all the glory from God Almighty. Thou shalt love. Didn't say you might. Didn't say I hope you do. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. How many of y'all have, let's say, let me get a raise of hands of how many has been raised in a Christian home in this crowd, okay? Pretty good, pretty good number. I'd say 60%, okay? I don't know about y'all, but let me ask you a question. Just judgment day honest now. I just want to ask you a question. Um, somebody over giggling at my accent again. Um, have you ever gotten to a point in your Christian life where you were taught the simple truth that to be a good Christian... All I've got to do is fight these desires inside of me to please God. Okay? I've got to fight all these desires, and it's going to be a lot of work, and I'm just going to have to toil and labor, and if I do it all right, then God will be pleased. You know what? There's not 
there's, that's not an untrue statement. God is displeased when we transgress against His law. And you know what? The Bible says that all have sinned. I, I, I read that last time I checked the word all. You can help me out, Penos. I believe the Greek word means all. That means everybody. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So can I ask you a question? Have you ever got to the point to where you said all of these religious rules, all of these things that I'm supposed to do, things that I ain't supposed to do, if I do all that, God's pleased. But when I transgress against that and I fall, I don't know about y'all, but I feel this unusual, overwhelming sense of guilt and God's presence not with me anymore. Can I say this? That teaching, now listen to me, that teaching is, is correct and it's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. See, can I say this? Lamentation 3.20, listen to me, young people. Lamentation 3.24 says, It's of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Have you ever just stopped for a little bit, Stephen? And just thought about how good God really is to us. Young people, do you realize how good God is to wake you up this morning and let you breathe His hair and He lets you walk upright and you was able to get in a, a car or on a train or however you got here? If, if you walk, praise God, He gave you feet. But have you ever just stopped and thought about all the people who can't come? We visited some of them this week. There's people in a nursing home. And Miss Janie and I were leaving that nursing home on Saturday night last week. And an elderly lady, probably 90, 92 years of age, came up to me. And she said, when can we go? When can we go? And Steve, I looked at her and she said, pray for my boys. And I'm sure her boys probably fought in the war. And, you know, her mind's going back and she began to weep. And I said, you know what, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I can still get up. I can serve you. I can, listen, square my shoulders and say, Lord, I declare my total dependence upon you today and I want you to use me. And he does. The God that needs nobody is looking for somebody that he can use. And may I say this, young people, my heart's desire is that you'll be the generation how many of y'all believe Jesus is coming back? I believe He's coming back. But I'll tell you, He ain't come yet. That's bad English, ain't it? I ain't, I ain't come yet. I know y'all saying we haven't heard that in our whole life. He's not come yet. So that means you've got a task. God's given you a job. He's let you, listen, He's enlisted you in the fight for the cause of truth and right. And young people, let me tell you something. If you're going to do this thing, I don't know about you, but I want to, if, if God's given me an opportunity to serve Him, Tim, I want to do it with all of my heart. Dave, I want to serve Him with everything that's in me. I don't want to get to heaven and He go, Oh, Brian, you didn't do it right the first time. I'm, I'm going to send you back and try it again. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't laughing at that, but that... That, that's ludicrous, ain't it? To think that we're going to get a second chance at life. Listen, you've got one life. And what are you going to do with that life? I'm thankful that God is still calling your generation into full-time ministry because let me tell you something. When I die and when Pastor Larry passes off the scene and we're in glory, who's going to do it, preacher? Who's going to be the one that takes the baton? Who's going to be the one that takes the banner and runs on with it? It'll be you. That's why I'm thankful for a group of young people. It's in New Tribes Missions. They're here this weekend. I'm thankful for some young people here. And I, I'll tell you right now, if you came here holding your breath and saying, God, just don't do anything this weekend in my life, please. Don't do it. You know what? You're, very, you're the candidate that God's going to touch. You're the very one that God... I remember people telling me I dreaded going to Christian camp because I knew if I went, God would call me into ministry. All God wants is a willing vessel. A willing vessel. You say, preacher, what's your point? May I say this, young people, I want to try to give you something that will help you tonight. How many of you, 
have a significant other in your life. Now, not you married folk. I'm talking about you that are single. You've got a significant other person in your life right now. Nobody's, no, Michael, God bless your heart. He's the only one that was willing to raise, he, and he, he kind of went. <laughs> How many, let me, if you didn't understand that American that I just spoke, does anybody in here have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Amen. All right. You know, it's very difficult to know somebody. Guys, listen to me. It's very difficult to know a girl if you only spend two minutes a week with her. You ain't going to know much about her. Ladies, it, you're not going to know much about that guy if all you do is spend about three or four minutes a day maybe texting. I won't even go there with the texting. But anyway, please don't do that during the service. I'll confiscate your phone. No, I'm just playing. But you spend time with people you want to get to know. You spend time with people that you say you love. Why is it that God's people get so accustomed to saying we love Him, but yet if you were to really ask Him to give an answer to the hope that lies within them, most people couldn't tell you exactly how they know they're saved. Can I ask you a question? If I, if I gave you a Bible right now, not how you feel, by the way. Y'all know that salvation isn't a feeling. I, I'm, you're not saved because of how you feel. I'm going to be honest with you, young people. I don't feel saved most Monday mornings as a pastor. <laughs> Man, you wade through all the muck and mire and people coming up. Hey, preacher, hey, preacher, can you do that? Hey, 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 Whoa, stop. <laughs> Just calm down, everybody. You know? I don't feel saved on Monday mornings sometimes. But I don't base my salvation, young people, on how I feel. I base it on fact. And I base it on what God said, not on how I feel. Salvation's not a feeling. Primarily, salvation is a standing. It's where you stand. Are you in Christ? Or are you just in church? If I asked you to take a Bible right now and, you, and, and told you to show me how you know you're saved, could you do it? Now, don't raise your hand and say, oh, I could do... Just be humble, all right? Be humble for about 30 seconds, all right? Don't... <laughs> could you take a Bible and show me? Because I'm going to tell you something, young people. I can take a Bible and show you how I know that I'm going to heaven. You say, preacher, you think... You, you actually know you're going to... The last time I read the scripture, it said that I may, I can know that I have eternal life. I don't have to think or hope that I have it. I can know that I have it. It'd be kind of a scary thing to go through your whole life, preacher, and get to the end and say, well, I hope I made it. I don't tell you, I'd like to know it. And I believe you can know it through God's word. You say, preacher, why are you saying that? Because I can guarantee I'm talking to a young person right now that's struggling with that very fact. I do every year. Do every year. Now, that's not the crux of my message. I want you to look at Matthew 22, 37 again. I want to give you a few points, and then we're going to pray, and then you're going to have a little time to get along with your friends and talk about this thing of loving the Lord thy God. Do you want a love that will last? I love these people that say, boy, I fell in love. Oh, I fell in love with her. You know what? I ain't love. That's puppy love. You might say, well, that's good for us puppies. <laughs> I fell in love. Can I say something? If you fell in love, you can fall out of it. Do you love the Lord thy God? Let me tell you something. If we're going to understand what true love is, we got to, number one, get to the meaning of love. Number one, write these down in your notes, the meaning of love. What is the meaning of love? There are a lot of words in the Scripture for love. I'm going to pick on three primarily. One of them is called eros. It's an erotic type love. That's where we get the word erotic from. By the way, it really isn't love. It's called lust. Now, I'm going to speak candid with y'all, all of you. Guys, 
Don't you say you're a man and you got a backbone if you tell a girl you love her and the only ulterior motive you got is to get somewhere else with her. You listen, you're not you're not sweet, you're scum. If that's the only motive that you got is don't even call yourself a man. You're welcome. The meaning of love, the first word that I want to talk about is eros, erotic type love. Listen to me, young people. That word is never used positively in the Scripture when it's, when it's translated love. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. By the way, you can put every sin that you've ever committed in one of those three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he, the, did you hear that? The world passes away and the lust thereof. See, Hollywood, and I can speak by experience because I've been there. Hollywood will tell you that it's okay and man, just go and have the time of your life. Let me tell you something. They never ever on the movies show you when a person has had an adulterous affair or had some type of illicit uh, act with a person. They never, they always show you the morning after and everybody's happy-go-lucky, but guess what? They never show you the person that's laying in a hospital bed that's dying of AIDS. There is a way that seemeth right unto man but the end thereof are the ways of death. Young people, let me tell you something. You do not, and the devil's doing this every single day to your generation. He is taking a piece of lace and dragging it through a mud puddle. You are special to God. Understand that you're God's property. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Let me tell you something. The first word we've talked about is eros. The meaning of love, eros is erotic type love. The next word I want to talk about is a word called phileo. Phileo. It literally gets its you know, derivative from uh, brotherly love. It's a fondness. It's not really love like we, we, we talk about when we use the word loving the Lord. Now, I know we're going to, we talk about Peter and he, when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said, you know I love you. We're going to go there in just a little bit. But can I say this? Phileo, brotherly type love, is like the city Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a fondness. Can I say something? Don't be one of those that fall victim to just being fond of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, have some passion in your bones. Have some fire in your bosom about serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's a lot of things that you could be doing, but nothing greater than serving Jesus Christ. Nothing. The world tell you different. world tell you different. It always will because it's contrary to what God wants for you. Now, I'm not saying go out there and don't have a good time and just be a monk and isolate yourself for 400 years and not talk to nobody. That's not, that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to have life and not just life, but have it more abundantly. The word means with unfailing exuberance. He wants you to like and enjoy and love life because you serve the giver of it. Eros, phileo. The third one is what I want to park on. It's called agape. Agape love. Say, what kind of love is that? Agape love is the only kind of love that we can ever get through Jesus Christ. Let me say this, young people. Agape love is a sacrificial love. Don't ever get fooled by the attack of the enemy or the lie of the devil that tells you that love is just a feeling. Love is not just a feeling. Let me tell you something, young people. The word love is an action word. You can't just say it. And by the way, you can say it all you want, but sooner or later, if you've got agape love, you won't just talk about loving somebody. You'll do something about loving them. See, love is an action verb. You, you just got to do something about it. Let me ask you a question tonight. Don't answer this out loud. Do you agape Jesus Christ? Have you really sacrificed? You say, well, I have to do that. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Young people, 
There's going to be sacrifice when you follow Jesus Christ. But can I tell you this? It's the sweetest trip I ever had in my life. You think I come here because I enjoy the weather? Steve, you know why I come. We talked about this years ago. I come here because of not, I don't want to see the queen. I don't care to see any of the royal family. I know it's special over here. That ain't why I come. I don't come to visit the prime minister. I don't come to see Wart Castle or go down to Cadbury World, though it is fun. You know why I come? It's because of people like Panos and Tyler and Chris, my friend back there, and Steve and Angelica and all of you dear people. I know a lot of you. We've been together for quite a few years now. And I think you know my heartbeat. And those that are here, I'm going to tell you something. God, if you will allow him to do something this week, I promise you, if you'll just, if you'll take your hands off of it, I promise you this could be one of the greatest crossroads weekends in your life because it's been that way in everybody that's in here that's ever been. Not because of me. Listen, I'm nothing. God knows it, Mike. I'm nothing. But he's everything. And when Jesus shows up, let me tell you something. Stuff starts happening. And it has. Do you agape? If you agape love the Lord Jesus Christ like he agapes you, then there'll be some sacrifice. The meaning of love. Number one, it's a discipline. You say a discipline. Yeah. Do you know what love is? Love is a discipline. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You say, well, I ain't done that, preacher. Well, that's great. But let me ask you something. When James spoke to the people in the church and he said, ye adulteresses and adulterers, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God, do you think they were committing physical adultery? No. They were committing spiritual adultery. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You say, well, we serve a jealous God. Why is he so jealous? Because you know what? Everything in this universe, every single person, every molecule in your body screams out that he is in control. Everything. It's a discipline. As some of the young ladies back here were talking about a rat. The difference between a rat and a mouse. I was, I was uh, managing a paint store a few years ago. Well, it was really more than a few years ago. It was probably like 20. But, uh, but my secretary screamed out one morning. Ah! Ah! And I'm like, is she dying? I mean, what's happening to this lady? I ran into, the, I ran into her office. She is up on her desk like this. Ah! Ah! I'm like, what in the world is wrong with you? She said, there's a rat in the office. There's a rat in the office. I said, where's it at? She said, it ran behind the filing cabinet. <laughs> I was like, great day. Just calm down. I went behind the filing cabinet, Pastor Russ. I had a broomstick. I was shoving that thing behind that filing cabinet, and here come the rat. He was that big. <laughs> that big. Let me tell you the difference between a rat and a mouse. This is a rat. This is a mouse. And you know what I said to myself right there in that office? Because God had been dealing with me about the ministry, and you know he uses everything as sermon illustrations. But Panos, I said this. I said, you know what? There are young ladies that are scared to death. I mean, <gasps> and fall right over if they see a little bitty mouse. But they'll go out with a rat every single weekend. Can I say this to you young ladies and you young men? You're here by divine purpose this weekend. And I'm going to speak candid. I'm going to shoot straight with you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Did you hear what I just said? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But let me com complete the rest of the verse. But, whoremongers... And adulterers, God will judge. Do you think Paul told Timothy, 
to keep himself pure and it was just going to happen by accident? You say, preacher, what do I, what if, what if that's no longer an option? What if I, what if I've done, can I say this to all of you and announce to you tonight that the God of heaven is a long-suffering, merciful God and He's willing to put it all under the blood if you'll just come to Him and say, Lord, I've transgressed. I agree with you. I acknowledge I've done that. But Lord, I want to do better. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a testimony to my people in my, my church. I want to be a testimony to people at school. And you know what? God, it says... Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Young people, let me tell you something. If you're going to love like God loves, it's a discipline. You're going to have to discipline yourself. There's everything out there that will try to detract you and keep you from serving Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything, iPads, iPhones, i this, i that. It's an amazing thing that it's i, 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 ain't it? They don't do that by accident. I watched a girl in one of my summer camps. She's 16 years of age. I guarantee you, lightning was coming off her fingers. She is texting so fast. I mean, she is looking at me going, amen. And just text, I mean, going as fast as she could go. It takes me 45 seconds to say, LOL. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Can I say something, though? If we can discipline ourselves to love our communication and our ways and means of communicating with one another, can't we discipline ourselves enough to love Jesus Christ and spend a little time with Him? I think so. It's not only a discipline, but it's a desire, a desire. You say, what do you mean? Can I say this? Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 3 says, listen, that Jesus Christ, when you go through something that you think nobody else has gone through, can I submit to you that the Scripture says that, listen, for the joy that was set before Jesus Christ, He endured, He endured the cross and despised the shame. For the joy that was set before him? What? That really don't make sense to us. I'm going to tell you something, young people. Do you love the Lord, thy God, with all thy heart? It'll take discipline and it'll take a desire. It'll take a desire. And let me tell you part of that desire, young people. It's going to take a real desire on your part to forgive somebody that's hurt you so bad that you don't want to do it. It's real quiet in here right now. Nobody wants to say amen on that. I know there's somebody in here and you holding a grudge against them. But can I submit to you? You don't hold a grudge. It holds you. It holds you. And you'll be encapsulated and you won't be able to serve Jesus Christ because you're so in bondage to your bitterness and your unforgiveness. Can I say this? When you forgive somebody, you just by nature set yourself up to be hurt again. Because people going to let us down. I'm, a, I'm, I'm liable to let you down by the end of the weekend, and you have just met me. Young people, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to take a deep desire on your part to love, agape, the Lord thy God with all thy heart. It's the meaning of love. What is it? It's sacrifice. It's a discipline. It's a desire. But can I tell you about the manner of love, the manner of love? Let's look at our scripture in verse number 37. I've only got just about seven minutes and I'm going to be done on time. I promise. Some of y'all that have been with me now long enough know that I probably am lying. But anyway, I've already asked for forgiveness. Verse number 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy, say the next word with me, heart. Say it again, heart. Say it again. The heart is not the muscle that pumps blood through your body. We're talking about the innermost part of you. Your heart, your spiritual heart, the innermost being. And can I say this, young people? If you're going to love him like that with all your heart, the first manner that you're going to have to love him in is your heart, and that takes intensity. Intensity. That's why the, listen, that's why Solomon wrote to his son, young people, in Proverbs 4.23, he said, keep Sir, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the very issues of life. 
Young people, can I say this? It's going to take intensity. I met a lady. I met a lady nine years ago. I was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've told this to the people at Bethel before, so it, but it bears repeating because I've never known anybody that had love and intensity to love somebody like this lady loved her husband. She came to me and she, in a meeting and she said, just much like this, she said, she said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I said, what's your need? She said, it's really not me that has a need. She said, it's my husband. I said, what's his need? She said, he needs to be saved. She said, I'm a Christian and he's not. And I can't bear, brother, the thought that if I were to die and he were to die, that I'd go to glory with Jesus Christ and, she, and he would spend a crisis eternity separated from me and God. And I can't bear the thought of it. We got down on our face and we prayed right there in the church. Multitudes of people all over the church, but we got down and prayed right there. By the way, when somebody asks you to pray, best thing you could do is do it right then because most of us forget it and we don't pray about it. I said, let's pray, ma'am, right here. We got down and I watched as she just, tears, panel just flowed down her cheeks and onto that carpet. She got up. I didn't think much about it, Michael, till about two nights later. She walked into the service and guess what was behind her? Her husband. He walked in and he sat right down, Pastor Russ, with her. I don't think he blinked the whole service. He was on, I mean, he, his eyes were just like this the whole time. He was watching every move and listening to every word I said. When I got to the end of that service, Panos, I asked for a raise of hands who needed to be saved. When I gave that invitation, he didn't raise, he didn't raise his hand. He stood up and he walked about halfway down and then he began to run all the way down to the front. I don't know about y'all dignified folk, but when I saw him running, this was a big dude, all right? When he's running toward me, I said, man, this guy's going to tackle me right here at the front of the church. I held on the pulpit, and I was like, here he comes. Man, he came up, and he said, preacher, I got to get saved tonight. I don't know about y'all, but I said, buddy, you came to the right place. We got down, and we prayed. Brother, after we got done praying, I heard somebody weeping behind him. When I looked up, Pastor Russ, it was his precious little wife. And she was right behind him and she was praying and she was weeping. And when he stood up, I said, son, what happened to you tonight? And he said, God save me. And when he said that, Romani, I have never, 118 pound woman. I don't know how many stones that is, but she didn't weigh a whole lot, okay? She's 118 pounds. She, her husband... I mean, his shadow weighed 60 pounds. This dude was big, all right? She picked Dave. She picked him up around the waist off the ground, and she's jumping up and down with him going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. She let him down, and guess what? I looked at her, and I said, God saved your husband, ma'am. She took a lap and started running. I mean running, and the whole time, Panos, she's saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I know some of y'all would never do that, and if you probably saw it, you'd pass out. But I'll tell you what, when you prayed for a husband for 16 years like she did, and you see him gloriously saved, you'll get excited. She came back around, and brother, she looked at me, and I said, God save your husband. Son, she took another lap. Woo! Hallelujah! She's running. She came back down, and she was like, <laughs> she just wore out. We got done with the service. I looked at that man. I still got his name in my Bible for when he got saved. And I looked at him. His name was Steve. And Pastor, I looked at Steve and I said, Son, I said, you said something to me tonight that I haven't heard anybody say in a meeting I've ever been in. He said, what's that? I said, when you came down front tonight, you said you had to be saved. What did you mean? He said, I meant I had to get saved tonight. What do you mean you had to get saved tonight? He said, you don't understand. He said, the last... Four weeks of my life have been a living Hades. I said, what, what? Can't be that bad. He said, oh, you don't understand. He said, I'd come home every night from work. My wife would have a lovely meal set at the dining table. I would sit down. I wouldn't pray. I'd just start digging in. My wife would be over there. She hadn't put a fork to her mouth yet. She's crying and she is begging God. And I said, what's wrong with you, honey? And she'd look at me and say, you're lost and you need to be saved. He said, it'd make me so mad, Tyler, I'd get up, I'd slam the chair under the table, I'd go out, I'd go to my room and go to bed. He said, but last night I had all I could take. He said, last night I woke up, my bed was shaking. 
all over the ground, just all over the floor in the bedroom. He said, I looked up, and he said, I couldn't find my wife. She wasn't in the bed. Now he really started to get concerned, you know. He looked up, and he said there was a light that was shining in the bedroom from the street. He said as he looked over the foot of the bed, Panos, there was his wife, and she had a hold of the sheets, and she was grasping the mattress, and she was shaking the whole bed, and she was saying, God, save my husband. Save my husband. And he said, I had to get saved tonight. Can I ask you something? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with that kind of intensity to pray for somebody and not let hold the horns of the altar and not let go until God gives you an answer? That's going to take intensity on your part. But not only intensity, but intimacy. Look at the next part of the verse. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? And with all thy what? Let me tell you something. It's going to take some intimacy for you to love the Lord that way. Intimacy. That means you know what? Might have to cut the telly off about 30 minutes earlier. That means, oh, heaven forbid, you might have to get up 30 minutes earlier. <gasps> that could really ruin your party, couldn't it? To have to get up a little earlier. Well, preacher, I just can't get up no, no, not much earlier. Than I, I can guarantee you this. If Aston Villa and Birmingham City Brummies were playing a, a soccer game at 5.30 in the morning, you'd be up either at it or watching it. I don't care who you pull for. don't care who you root for. But if there was a soccer game going on and it was part of the premiership and it was the greatest game that was going to take place, buddy, you'd be up and you'd be praying that it was nil-nil at the end and they go in to shoot off. But we don't want to be that way when it comes to our Lord. We want the preacher to get done. You've been intimate enough, preacher. It's 12.05. We got to leave this place. I got things to do. It's Sunday afternoon. And I don't mean to offend anybody. But if I'm scratching where you're itching, that's right. <laughs> By the way, and I'm going to be done here in just a second. I know I done lied once. I ain't going to lie again, I promise James chapter 2 says that God no respect or persons. He said, you know what? And I'm paraphrasing. He said, you know what? If there's somebody that comes into your assembly or into your presence that is in shabby raiment, but then there comes a, a, another man, he's rich, and he's got the designer's best on, and you treat him partial over the man that's got the poor raiment on, and you let him come down and sit in the greatest place, or you even let him come into your house, but you say to that one that's homeless and has a shabby clothing on, you don't come into my house. You can't come into our church. And you know what the Bible says? You become partial having evil thoughts. May I say this, young people, it don't matter what somebody looks like on the outside. And I can say a hearty amen to that because I ain't much to look at. But I'm telling you this, it don't matter what a person wears, it don't matter what they look like, what they smell like. You know what? There's no difference between a person in shabby raiment or a person in the designer's best. They're both sinners in need of the same Savior. And it's high time that we as God's people start treating people the way Jesus did. Can I get a hearty partial amen right there? It takes some intimacy to meet people where they live. We had a guy come into our church one time, Steve, and I can tell you this, I could smell him from the pulpit, urine and alcohol. He was as drunk as anybody I'd ever seen. He had already soiled himself. He was coming in the back door. He was stumbling around. You know what we did? We didn't say, you get out of here. Me and my wife said, you come on in here. You know what the Lord loves? He loves people that don't say hands off. He loves people that says arms around. Because that's what our Savior did. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. You know what? That young man got saved. It took about a week and a half. Because he had to sober up. He didn't even understand a word we were saying at first. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. You have fun in church. I ain't going to charge you to laugh. Listen, it takes intensity. It takes intimacy. But I'd be remiss if I didn't give you the last point. Write this down. We've looked at the meaning of love. We've looked at the manner of love. How do you love? You love with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy mind. Y'all do not just love, listen to me. Now, I can't, I can't go into this, but let me just say this. You love in, 
with some intensity. You love with intimacy, but you ought to love with some ingenuity, with your mind. You know what? God gave you a mind. Kick it out of neutral. Stop coasting around and use your brain. You know what I'm thankful for the young people here? They put together in their mind what they wanted for this youth conference. And you know what? Them t-shirts that you're going to wear this weekend are an ingenious thing that they put together. They, they did it all. They designed it and everything. I think that's ingenious. It's going to take a, a discipline and a desire on your part to love him like that. But the motivation for love, you can close your Bibles, I'm done with this, young people. The motivation for love. What is the motivation? What is behind everything that God's doing? Can I tell you, brother? Behind everything that God's doing in our life, whether it's a trial that you're going through, whether it's a test that you say, I, there's no way I'm going to pass it, where's Shelly at? Amen. As a test I don't think I'm going to pass. You know what? And by the way, uh, don't go into class when you ain't studied and say, Lord, please help me pass this test. That's not going to work. That just ain't going to work, okay? Some of y'all going, mm, mm. Man, no wonder that didn't work last week. Or excuse me, two weeks ago. What's the motivation behind everything God does? He loves you. You can believe that or not. That's your, your choice. You can believe whether or not everything God does in your life is because He loves you. Let me tell you something. Everything He's doing in your life, young lady, everything, sir, He's doing in your life, mom and dad, everything He does in your life, He's doing it that He may be glorified and He, listen, that you'll love Him better. The motivation for love. Her name was Rachel Saint. Rachel Saint was the sister of Nate Saint. Most of you know about those five missionaries that lost their life. Then they were ministering to the Waronic tribe of Indians in South America. Jim Elliott was one of those. Nate Saint was another. Rachel Saint was his sister. Years after he was speared through for the cause of Christ, can I say this? Rachel got a burden to go back to those people. You know what she did? She went to linguistic school at 30 years of age, went two years. She stayed over there, ministered to a group of Indians in Ecuador, found out that they told her some things about the Warani tribe. She eventually went, learned the language. She lived with a girl named uh, Dayama. She lived with this, this, uh, this Indian girl, and she taught her the language. Do you know what she did? She translated the New Testament into the Warani tribe language. Here is a, listen, here is a lady who the people she was ministering to, Michael, speared her brother through. And there's some of you in here that had somebody tell a little text message and cut you a little bit, and you say, I'll never forgive them. This lady went and ministered to the people that killed her brother. What would be the motivation behind doing that? I'll tell you what it is, Dave. It's love. It's agape love. Can I say this? The Warani tribe named her Nimu. It's an Indian word that means star. Star. You know what Daniel chapter 12 verse 3, Tenica says? And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You know how many of those people she led to Christ that were ancestors of the man that speared her daddy through? Multitudes. She, listen, translated the New Testament into their language. And when she died, they buried her in the sands of Ecuador. And they said she was our sister. And she taught all of us that God had prepared a place for us. And we're going to see Nemo again. If I can, I know we're dignified. But can I just say, hallelujah, glory. That takes sacrifice to love somebody like that. What's the motivation behind everything, Carl, that God does? His love. His love. For God so... He didn't just say it. He went so far as to do something about it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. Can I ask you something tonight? Do you want a love that lasts? Then don't look to nobody else.
except the one that can give it to you. Everlasting love. On a hill called Calvary, Jesus my Lord suffered for me. Carried the cross all the way, my sins to atone. Then they nailed him to a cross. Great was the pain and the loss. He suffered it all because he loved me. Then they carried him away, placed him in a lowly grave. Surely they thought that this would be the end of this man. But on that third and glorious day, God came and rolled the stone away. He rose from the dead because he loved me. Because he loved me, my Savior died. On the cross was crucified. No greater love by mortal man had ever been known. Oh, praise his dear name, he loves me so. Now I am his, he's mine, I know. He conquered it all because he loved me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around tonight. I'm going to ask this question at the outset of this meeting. I want you to be honest because, number one, God already knows, and I want to know how to pray for you as intelligently as I can. But you'd say, preacher, with an upraised hand, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind if I were to take my last breath tonight, unbeknownst to me and anybody else in this room, that I would take my breath, last breath tonight, and I'd go into eternity, that I'd spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ because I've been saved by the grace of God. You can raise your hand right now. I know I'm born again. No, I'm on my way to heaven. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. If you're in this room, I wonder if you'd say, Preacher, I'm concerned about my spiritual condition. I do not know. If I died tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. I want to have the privilege, young person, of praying for you, Mom and Dad, if you're here and you don't know. I want to have the privilege of praying for you genuinely, Judgment Day Honest. You'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that here? Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody else? May I, God bless you. Anybody else? May I announce to you while we're here with heads bowed and eyes closed that Jesus Christ is just not a historical figure, that 2,000 years ago His death appropriated on the cross for you was what paid your sin debt in full, past, present, and future. And His blood can wash away everything tonight if you'll just come to Him by faith. You say, preacher, that's... Kind of hard for me to all understand and wrap my hands around. Can I say it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He said, no man, woman, boy, girl, whatever, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There ain't 155,000 ways to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. If you need to be saved tonight, you need to come to Christ. If you are saved, can I ask one question and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Would your love for Him make everything in your life pale in insignificance because it really looks like you crazy? Do you have crazy love for Jesus? Father, into your hands I commend this invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will in your way. Lord, for those that maybe have grown cold and calloused in their heart, Lord, rekindle that fire. Flame it anew. God, for the ones that are here tonight that raised their hand, they're not sure. Help them to realize that during this next time that I'm available, Pastor Larry's available, many men in this service, Pastor Russ is available, their counselors that brought them are available. Help them to come. Give them boldness, Lord, to come to us and talk to us. That's why we're here. And Lord, I know that it's not because we love you. 
but that you first loved us. I'm thankful for that great love. Now, Lord, have your will and your way tonight in our midst in this invitation time, and we'll love and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.